So back in 1995, this book came out that changed the dating game. It's called The Five Love Languages. This guy, Gary Chapman, wrote this book, and it was a little Jesus-y. So it kind of started out in the, the Christian and the capital F family world of things. But since then, it's kind of grown in popularity, so much so that you're going to see this thing called love languages referenced in dating profiles. Hinge asks about it, actually. They do. So what do you give as your love language? What do you receive as your love language? What does that mean? It's how we feel love. How we give love should be in line with the person who is receiving it. So, so that's their love language. Right. Yes. So the idea is that you kind of ask yourself, like, how can I give this person love today? How do they interpret love? Have you ever heard someone you know, say during or after a breakup or in a stressful time in a relationship, say something like, nothing I do is ever enough? Mm-hmm. Everybody says that. Mm -hmm. And the reason they're saying that is because they are not providing love to their partner in the way that their partner is receiving it. To kind of simplify it, it's like you you look at food. Everyone has to eat. Mm -hmm. If your partner is a vegetarian and you bring them a steak, they're going to say, well, I can't eat that. Right. You're thinking, well, it's food. Certainly you can eat this and get sustenance from it. It's delicious. But you're not speaking their their language. Yep. Kind of like that? Yep, exactly like that. Because for them, that's not food. Mm-hmm. And so if you're giving gifts to somebody who really just wants to spend time with you, they don't feel loved by you. You feel like you're loving them because you're thinking, this makes sense. But to them, they're not buying what you're selling, right? So what are the love languages? There's five of them. There are five of them. In no specific order. Words of affirmation, physical touch, gifts, quality time, and acts of service. So let's talk about words of affirmation first. So I love how you keep us on topic. (laughs) I'm an outliner. (laughs) You're such a good podcaster. I'm an academic. Those are words of affirmation. Yeah, there you go. Um, I just got that. Okay, all right. So, um, words of affirmation. So, like you just heard, compliments, positive reinforcement, you know, things that make people feel validated. This is a huge thing, actually, because... Validation is a really big issue, and then it, you know, it leads to, to lots of problems where people feel really unfulfilled in relationships. But words of affirmation specifically are, you know, they can be compliments. Basically, anything that you say verbally, that you communicate to your partner that you love them or you care about them or whatever it is that you're trying to say something nice about. And on the other end, too, you know, once you're far enough into a relationship where things start bugging you, those kinds of people, the the ones whose love language is words of affirmation, also appreciate hearing things that you don't like. I'm a huge advocate for communication at baseline, but certainly for someone whose primary love language, and you can have more than one, um, it's usually tiered. When you go online, you take this quiz and it assigns uh, certain like numerical values to each of the love language. So if words of affirmation is at the top, that's the thing that's most effective that somebody can do to make you feel loved. I think words of affirmation as a love language, it probably sounds really simple, but it's actually a really, 
really difficult. Because you can't bullshit it. Yeah, you can't. You can't. And how many times have you heard, just say something nice to me? Mm-hmm. You know, or, or he never compliments me anymore. Or, you know, we don't talk anymore. And this is one of my love languages, so I know exactly how that feels. I think that, you know, we live in a big city. It's a melting pot, lots of different cultures. There are a lot of cultural obstacles that kind of get in the way of this specific love language. Sometimes, you know, it, it often has to do with the way that we are raised. Sometimes it has nothing to do with our ethnicity, but rather just the culture of our family. You know, we didn't talk too much to each other. We didn't compliment each other. Sometimes the way that we're raised heavily influences the romantic relationships that we have and how we function in those relationships. So if you had, you know, parents who weren't very romantic with each other in front of you, you might not be great at romance. Yeah, I will say words of affirmation is one of my least on the the tier. Hmm. Like, it almost makes me uncomfortable when somebody's too complimentary. Like, I like doing stuff, and we'll, we'll get to acts of service later, but I don't need to be praised for it. The next one is physical touch. And this one seems like a no-brainer, right? Like, everyone yeah. wants to just be touched all the time, right? No. No. <laughs> Sometimes I think that all of the love languages are my primary love mm-hmm. language, because I like all of it, because I think, for me, everything has its time and place. I'm not like opposed to any of them. I think the thing that kind of makes me like a little uncomfortable is like gifts. I feel like they should only be on occasion, but we'll get to that. In terms of physical touch, this does not always have to be sex. This can be just cuddling. Cuddling is huge. There's a service. There's a cuddling service. Did you know about this? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it's in Chicago, but you can be a professional cuddler. You just go around and spoon people and you make money for it. And it's not sexual. And it's not sexual. It's just that comfort of having somebody around. Right. So that's a huge part of this. So it's possible that you or your partner or your future partner receives love through physical touch. Possibly sexual, possibly not. I would argue that there's even more subtle ways that people show this. Again, this one's pretty far down on my list. I notice that when people are giving it, and I flinch. So it's the arm touch when you're sitting at dinner and you say something funny and they go, oh my gosh, that's so funny, and they grab your arm. Or the brushing hair out of a girl's face. Those little things, I think, are they're real subtle, but almost speak louder than the bear hug, the cuddle, the, the sex, the getting your whole body into it. Now that I think about it, there's certain elements of physical touch that I find very validating, but do not reach over and touch my face, especially if it's a first or second date. I feel like that's actually kind of violating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like some you're people crossing love that. that. Some people that like, space. he touched me in just the right way, mm-hmm. or our hands brushed together. Yeah. It's everything. You know what I love? It's like, um, have you ever seen Scent of a Woman? No. That Al Pacino movie? Okay. I don't know why it reminds me of this. But the hand on the small of the back drives me nuts. Just crazy. But yeah, I mean, that's not even like overtly, you know. No, there's nothing sexual about that, but it gets you going. For me, physical touch is is not about caring necessarily as it is connection. Mm -hmm. You know, it's I feel like if I want to feel cared for, we're talking about acts of service or quality time. But for me, physical touch is much more about 
the bond that we have. The fact that your hand on my back or your arm around my waist or whatever it is, that is for me a form of communication that is like linking us and making our bond stronger where you are saying something like, I want you close to me. I like this part of you, right? Sometimes it can be a form of like support, right? If you're dancing and you know, whatever it is, I think for me, it's, it's more of an interactive form of communication rather than feeling cared for. But I can see how other people might see it that way. I mean, the thing is, it's important to talk about this kind of thing because this is how you learn how your partner interprets all of the things that you say and do. And that's what's important. You can have the best of intentions, but if they're not receiving what you're giving, there's a huge disconnect. And that can lead to I'm sure it has led to, you know, marriages breaking up and families being broken and and all kinds of things. So it all goes back to communication. Totally. Well, so my love language is acts of service. Hmm. I love just doing stuff. I'm kind of like a busybody by nature, like just staying active. And so if I can channel that energy into something that I'm doing for somebody else that either takes their workload off or mm-hmm. shows them that I care about, that's where I'm at, 100%. But that's, that's not your love language. Your love language is how you receive love. So this is where I got into trouble. Okay. There's the way that you show somebody you love them, and there's the way that you receive love from them. Mm-hmm. The receiving love, I would say I'm probably more of a quality time, which we'll get to. But giving love, it's acts of service. See, this is the thing. I feel like this is where it gets really complicated because does it really matter how you give love? It does. It does. And I'll tell you an anecdotal story to illustrate. So I was living with a girl, Mm -hmm. been dating for a while, and I'm really big into like doing stuff. Not so much into like buying gifts because I'm not like a stuff kind of person and we're living together. So everything I buy her ends up like in our home. And one of the things I would do is wake up every morning make her coffee, make her breakfast, do all like the morning cleaning. Oh, you're a saint. One morning she woke up and I, she woke up early and I hadn't gotten around to doing the dishes yet. Her coffee was made, eggs were still piping hot. She goes, can you make sure you do the dishes today? <gasps> Broke up with her the next day. Yeah. Ended a three year relationship because I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like after all the work that I put in, that's where we're at. So understanding how your partner gives love is just as important as them understanding how you receive love. And so acts of service, as far as receiving, these are things like picking you up from the airport, going and grabbing your laundry, going and grabbing the mail, you know, little things like that, cleaning when you're not asked to. Mm -hmm. Those are all those acts of service that you can give to somebody. I think that brings up a really good point, and that is that you have to acknowledge what your partner is doing for you, even if it's not making you feel particularly loved. Because they're going out of their way to do something that they think is going to make you feel either cared for or it's going to make your life easier or, you know, whatever they're thinking. But they're actively doing something for you. And whether it's a partner or a friend or a colleague or whoever, you know, this is, these are, this is, you know, kind of basic manners, right? To acknowledge that. But I think in romantic relationships, especially if you live with someone, if it's multiple years, you get, you get used to stuff. 
you can't get used to stuff. Can't get used to it's stuff. It's really challenging. Mm-hmm. I've gotten used to stuff before. Well, it was challenging in this situation, too, because like I said, I'm not somebody that is looking for words of affirmation. Mm-hmm. And so saying thank you every morning, like I wasn't interested in. Yeah, it but was that just, was... It was more of just don't tell me that I'm not doing my job in the morning. Don't make it your job. Right. Right. And that so was, don't yeah. take advantage of what your partner is doing out of love for you. Yeah. Don't make that their job. It's not their job to love you. It's their privilege but also it's their choice it's deep so on that note we'll move on to quality time so this one's kind of tricky quality time seems like it's pretty no-brainer you're spending time with that person right it's not so this is where you don't want to fub someone (laughs) taking it all the way back to episode five nice (laughs) (laughs) so this is Something that you do with your partner wholeheartedly, you give them your undivided attention. When you hear your partner say, I don't care what we do as long as we do it together, that's when you know this is a situation in which my partner wants to spend quality time with me. It's not that they can't pick the activity or that they're being indecisive. It's that they actually do not care what it is because their goal is to have your undivided attention and spend quality time with you. So you put the phone down, no Instagramming or texting or whatever, and just be in it with your partner. And that's a situation in which investing a couple of hours without your phone and without any distractions can go a long way in a relationship. They notice it in ways that you're not thinking of. So it's being out at dinner and not just having it away, but like having it silent mm-hmm. so that you're not hearing the vibrations. And right. when they get up to go to the bathroom, they don't come back to see you looking at it. Mm-hmm. Like you've been thinking about them. You give a shit that you're there with them and not everything else that's going on in the world. Yeah. When you're in the car, the radio's not cranked so that you guys ha- can't have a conversation. Or you know, whatever he or she's into. If you guys are listening to a podcast or something, like you're engaged, you're not turning it down to have a conversation over it. Mm-hmm. Watching TV, you're not sitting there playing games. All that kind of stuff is going to matter hugely to this person. Just get jewelry from a nice place. Like, just go to Tiffany's and call it a day. Don't get, and get them in classic. Go for a phone earring. Like, don't get like funky. Don't think like, oh, this is artsy. Maybe she'll like that. Bad idea. Receiving gifts. These are like not huge for me. Um, so I can't put myself in the position of someone who, you know, loves receiving gifts. Actually, I give a lot of gifts. Apparently you're an amazing gift giver. Oh man. I've heard I've heard reviews. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I buy gifts months in advance. I have gifts planned out usually for the for like the whole calendar year ahead. But I don't really care much for receiving gifts. And see, somebody that doesn't know you would just assume, well, she gives great gifts. Obviously, she wants gifts back. Yeah, I never think about like what I'd want in return. I can't stop myself from getting stuff for people when I see it. And I think, oh, well, this is just perfect. Like, they just have to have it. It has so, nothing to do with me. An observation that the podcast listeners aren't seeing is every time you get like a compliment... You get kind of giddy. Really? So I think it's, it's. I mean, you mentioned <laughs> words of affirmation is like your thing. 
I think here's a, a tip for all your friends. <laughs> Just shower you with praise. Oh my gosh, yeah. this is amazing. You know me so well. You're such a good gift. They're really learner. good at that. That's yeah. why they're still my friends. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so these are like visual representations of your love for someone. The issue here is like, should they be expensive? Should they be trinkets? What are we talking about here? And that all depends. Is it a language that you're speaking or is it a language that they're receiving? Have you had an experience with this? Back in high school, I was dating a girl and I was working at Target. So had access to all the gifts that a Target has all 18, of 19 year old yeah. would want to, to receive. Or a 33 year old, yeah. <laughs> And so for Christmas one year, I just bought her like a bunch of random stuff, like little things that I thought she wanted. But each one was like something that you thought she wanted. Yeah. Okay. She did not. Oh. She was so disappointed with my gift choices. Oh, that's bad. And it affected me so bad that like I get stressed out around gift giving. From mid-November to end of December, I'm a basket case. I get so stressed out because of Christmas. this one experience. Yeah, just gift giving in general stresses me out so much because it's not a language that I speak. It's not something where I'm like thinking months in advance. What am I going to get this person? What thing am I going to see that I can buy? That's like here you go. This is going to enhance your life. This is not my love language. It is not one that I speak, and it's not really one that I receive either. I, I've seen the the negative ramifications of this. Yeah, I had... Oh, God, I, I feel bad for this guy. I dated this dude for a while, and he gave me a gift once, and, you know, I was young. It was a moment where, I don't know, my, my manners were lost on me. I don't know. I was upset because his gift had nothing to do with me. It was just, he was like, oh, I just thought that you would like enjoy this. And I was like, based on what? <laughs> like based on actually what? This has nothing, this is like not even for me. Who is this for? I think I was so upset because it was not at all personalized. And for me, like I give gifts that are very personal, um, sometimes expensive, sometimes not. But whenever I receive gifts, I really only want them for like big occasions, you know, birthdays, holidays, that kind of thing. And then I don't mind if they're expensive because they're supposed to be <laughs> at that time. But any gift otherwise has to be really meaningful. Like, hey, I saw this and I thought of you, right? And then I think, okay, this is like a, a real gift. If you're just like, here's this piece of jewelry, it's a Wednesday. I'm like, what, what, are, you, what are you trying to buy my love? <laughs> What is this? What'd you do? I'm going to tell you the donut story. So one of my very good friends, she like went to Dunkin' Donuts and she had a donut. And then she told me later that she got a donut and she ate it. And she said, I thought about getting you one, but I didn't know what you wanted. And so I kind of freaked out. And then I just got you no donut. I was so mad at her. <laughs> I was so mad at her. that like later we had a text exchange where she was like, oh, I ordered takeout from the sushi place and it was really bad. And my immediate reaction was, well, at least you had a donut today. And she's like, yeah, that's true. And I'm like, it is, isn't it? So then the next time I saw her, she brought me a donut. <laughs> so, so that's a, me a meaningful gift. Not just because I was upset and antagonizing her, but because it was a joke between us. You know, obviously I wasn't that upset. This is the kind of thing that I'm talking about when I say meaningful gifts where there's a joke involved or it's a shared experience that it's based on. Gifts don't always have to be expensive. They can be things that you that you find or make or sometimes they can be food. What if she made me a donut? Now we're gonna have a fight about this later. It's fine, everything's fine. I was doing a rotation at some hospital and um, became friendly with some of the girls. 
understand. Her best friend's boyfriend had texted her, what should I get for, you know, like, candy or whatever her name was. And um, I was like, I was like wearing, you know, pearls, like a pearl necklace that I'd gotten from an ex. And I was like, here you go, go to Tiffany's, pick it up. So she tells him, and he was like, oh, but I was going to get her these like funky moonstones, <laughs> okay? Like because she likes she likes the moon or something. The friend was like, no, do not do this. Just go buy this necklace at Tiffany's and call it a day. And like. You know, two weeks later, once the gifts were exchanged, I got a text message of a picture of, like, this girl who I had never met with the necklace on saying, like, tell thanks for me. It's beautiful. Okay? It just works. So that's kind of the love languages in a nutshell. And it's important to know, I mean, what you give, what you receive, so you can communicate that to somebody. But also, as you're swiping, you're going to see this pop up. And you should know, you know, if you're not a gift giver and someone puts on their profile gift-giving or receiving is my love language, probably not the person for you. Yeah. Did you know that I am an INTJ and that it is extremely rare among women to be an INTJ? I don't know what that means. I kind of don't either. When we talked on the last episode about like the MMFs and the FM, all that stuff, Mm -hmm. um, I thought we were going to get into these other acronyms and we did not. So we had to do some research. And all these INFPs and ESFPs, this all comes from this Myers-Briggs personality test that is pretty popular in the corporate world because it kind of dictates how you interact with people in a professional setting. And it's become quite popular in dating apps where someone will tell you right away what their personality type is. I'm not really sure it makes a difference. I think the extent to which you can use it is you just, if someone says that they're an INTJ or an INTP or whatever, you just go on the website and you can actually read about how they are in relationships as well. So that's kind of helpful. It's also possible that they took that quiz when they were in a certain mood. I haven't really seen much about how reliable these are in terms of like evidence. I think people just use it as filler something interesting. I'm not sure that there's any real significance to it or meaning to it, but if you are dating somebody and maybe you can't figure something out about them and you know their personality type and you think it's reliable, you could probably go on this website and read all about it. There's descriptions about how they are at home, at work, in relationships, what they're looking for, how they think. There's quite a few details available um, about each personality type. I think there's four or five groups, analysts, diplomats, sentinels, explorers. I don't really know what any of that means, but it's supposed to speak to like how you think and what you're comfortable with in social situations and, and all of that. So potentially it could, it could help you get to know someone a little bit more. I'm going to stick with just having a conversation (laughs) and getting to know the person and figuring that out. I don't know. That's just me. It's, and some people do find it really valuable. If nothing else, it helps you filter out people. So if you know that there's a certain personality type that you do not get along with, yeah, that at least helps you to be like, all right, well, not, not this person because of this. Yeah. And if it's something that's like heavily implemented at your job, if it's something that people talk about and you know that you don't get along with somebody who is a certain personality type, then obviously if you can't work with them, you're not going to be able to partner with them. And then also, I mean, kind of along the same lines is 
zodiac signs. <laughs> so you'll see a lot of people that it's it's mostly um, like the emoji of their zodiac sign that they'll post, where they're just letting the world know, like I am a Cancer, I am a Leo, I'm whatever it is, and then. If you are also like-minded where you think that that matters, you can match with and or not with them based on that. I always end up dating Scorpios. Do you? Yeah. I've never, it's never mattered to me, but I know like I am a stereotypical Cancer. Oh yeah? Oh man, to to the T. Like if somebody was like, I do not date Cancers, I don't know that that would make us completely incompatible. I think, I think people are complex. I feel like if someone said that to me, I would think that they don't know science. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, I would think that they would, that, you know, that they'd probably believe anything I told them. But I don't know. I know a lot of educated people who, who believe in that. I know it's actually a significant part of a lot of religions and cultures. I think there are certain people who base decisions off of, you know, astrological signs and the moon being in this or that or whatever it is, right? It means something to people. I think, you know, I hate to say it, I am a very stereotypical... I'm like a classic Libra. Classic. In what way? Or ways? I don't even... See, I don't like to store that trash information in my brain, but I will Google it, and I will tell you that the Libra personality is uh, very diplomatic. They are an air sign, according to Allure magazine. Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> They're obsessed with symmetry. They like to create equilibrium. They adore high art intellectualism. They surround themselves with stunning objects. Basically, I like pretty things in organization. I like everything to be balanced, and I don't like to piss people off. I would challenge at least the not wanting to piss people off thing. You are a very opinionated person. <laughs> this is true. No, I think, <laughs> I think the zodiac signs become kind of like a Rorschach test, mm. where it's like, you see what you want to, but then you're guided to see what you want to. I'm not a fan of them. I don't put much value in them. Neither but there are people that are. And so you they should know, you know, do, if you're yeah. swiping on somebody that has this in their profile, they value that. And so you should see where you size up in there. I think for the most part, it's, it's just kind of this very peripheral thing that people reference, uh, mostly to like talk shit. I have a friend from college who is very funny. And she said on Valentine's Day, she posted something like, you know, happy Valentine's Day, though I think that this day is just a day for Scorpios to make more Scorpios. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought that was really funny. But is it, though? Isn't it? Maybe a little bit, you know? (laughs) I think zodiac signs are one of those things where it's like a fun thing to sort of toy with mentally, but I personally wouldn't make any real decisions off of it, but I know that there are people who do Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for whatever reason. I don't actually advertise my zodiac sign on any website. It's more of like an identifier in terms of like when your birthday is. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. It's weird to me. And people are complex. I mean, there's only so much you learn about somebody based on when they were born, their sign is, what their personality type is. You're gonna fall in love with who you fall in love with. You're gonna have relationships with people that you open yourself up to have relationships with. This is true. Your compatibility is far more complex than Mm. I mean, listen, I married a Pisces. See, I don't, know I, what that I don't means. even know what that means. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> I, I couldn't even tell you the Mm-mm. zodiac signs of people I've dated and or married. 
I'm sure if you look back on it, though, like there's some kind of pattern that somebody could say, oh, well, here's this. And I, you know, you put it in front of me and it makes sense. I'm in the same way as like tarot or getting your palm read. It's like, yeah, you say something generally enough. Mm -hmm. You're going to believe it if you allow yourself to. So, I mean, the, the whole point of this was just to kind of say that there are things that people are looking for categorically that identify you. And, you know, you can either believe in it and look into what they're looking for and see if you kind of fit or say, you know what, I'm not this, but I think you're pretty cool and let's go out and have a nice conversation. I think for all of the letters and the zodiacs and all of this and that, like you're going to get way more out of just talking to somebody and getting their vibe and seeing whether or not you guys are compatible, if there's a spark or whatever. I would say that's probably a better investment of your time than reading about Zodiacs and INFPs and this and that. But I don't know, I mean, I fall real hard for Scorpio, so I don't know what to say. <laughs> it's a weakness. So in terms of physical sex, this does not always have, did I say physical sex? You did. <laughs> Fuck. Freudian slip. A single life treat, yeah. <laughs> okay, all right. 